0: be pretty meaningful for us to want to give ourselves to it. Why do we want to give ourselves to Christ? Why do we want to serve Him? Why do we want to be His follower, His disciple? Isn't that like the least that we can do. The least we can do. Because
1: He's our Savior and He's our Redeemer.
0: He's our Savior and Redeemer. So, why would we want to serve Him? Yeah. Anything else that comes to your mind?
1: <clears throat> when you love someone you want to do things for them to please them mm-hmm. and as Jesus said I I always please the Father Yeah, and that was of course connected to his love for the Father right. mm-hmm. and the Father's love for him and right. the Father loved him
0: yep. and, he a did... thing right. and he always did right and he came to do his Father's will
1: and then Jesus loves us so we want to serve him.
0: right He loves you, but come on, there are people who have loved you in the past that you didn't really love back, (laughs) right, (laughs) for being honest with each other. But it's important for us to think about these things, and I want to talk to you about it in a a little different regard than perhaps uh, would be normal, Um, but if we get this question wrong, it has eternal consequences. Because 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I mean, most of us will probably never get to that point where we actually sell everything that we have and give it to somebody who's in need. Most of us will never be burned at the stake, alive. But if it ever came to that, I mean, we've heard stories of people who did sell everything and give it to the poor, gave themselves their entire livelihood and even their life itself in martyrdom, even some of those people may have received no reward for their sacrifice. Perhaps even some that have been written in the books that we've read about in Fox's Book of Martyrs. But perhaps they didn't do it with the right motivations. Well, Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13, if I'm not doing this out of true sincere love, it's nothing in God's eyes. God doesn't value your things that you gave away. God can provide for the poor any way that he wants. Why does he need your stuff? Your stuff is not what matters. So it gains nothing if there is not something deeper to it. And there are sometimes we serve Christ because we kind of guilt ourselves into it. It's not necessarily a, a gratitude thing as much as it, as like, well, he did die for me, so I guess it's my duty to serve Him. We see it in Scripture. I'm a bondservant of Christ. Okay. Well, I guess it's my duty because I read in Scripture that He died on the cross for my sins. So we kind of, we kind of follow Him out of guilt. Or, we view God's grace through what Christ did as... as uh, <clears throat> A loan that needs constant payments in order to stay in the creditor's good graces. <laughs> you know, have you ever had those medical bills where they just you just got to pay something? You may not have to pay pay off the whole debt right away, but just at least as long as you keep keep paying something, they're not going to come after you. They're not going to come after you. <laughs> Sometimes, perhaps we think about God in that regard, where you know I got to keep doing these good works because I want to stay in God's good graces. Or, the church's good graces, which is even worse. (laughs) Who are we? And perhaps we serve, perhaps we give ourselves to the service of the Lord simply because we don't want to feel like a destitute cripple who needs everything done for Him. I feel like that sometimes. I mean, after searching my own heart, sometimes I feel like that. This is probably the one that hits the home with me the most. I don't like feeling like I can't do something. Okay, maybe I don't do it because I'm lazy. But not doing it because I'm lazy and can't, you're not able to do it, that's, too, that's completely different. <laughs> you know, I mentioned on Sunday... I mean, what's the number one complaint for most people who have just gone through surgery and now they're bedridden or they've been in an accident and now they're a cripple? What's their first complaint? (laughs) I can no longer do anything for myself. Somebody has to do all of this for me. It drives me insane. I can't stand it. And this is perhaps what flies most in the face of God. And today I want to look at a few texts together that reveal a common theme. That God wants to keep giving us what we cannot get or do for ourselves. Being a believer is not about receiving grace once and then working the rest of our lives as a response for God's grace. We need to be thankful and grateful. Those are fine things. But that's not all that's to it. Even gratitude-driven works can be dangerous if it's seen like a kind of like a neighborly, well, you did something for me, so now I feel like I need to do something for you. You feel like that for your neighbor sometimes? <laughs> oh, thank you. I didn't get you anything. And then the next day you bake them some brownies or something. You take over some brownies. Um, because you feel like, well, you did something good for me. Now I need to do something good for you. And if we treat God like that, that's embarking on blasphemy. Because that's never that was never God's point. I'm going to save you, so now you are in eternal service to me. That was never God's intention. So we're going to look at... <laughs> some scripture passages that show us, first and foremost, if we're going to serve God, let's see how God wants to be served. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 to 5, if somebody wants to read that for me, for us. Galatians 3, 2 to 5.
1: Of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit? Or are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Having you have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith?
0: And at that point he goes on and talks about Abraham and how you know he was justified by faith. It was accounted to him as righteousness when he believed God. But in here we see, what do we see here about what God thinks about, okay, we're saved now, now what are our works? What does he say about our works now that we already are saved? How does he view our works? How does he value our works? What do our works have to do with our own sanctification Or our own service to God.
1: We're sanctified by the way that we are saved.
0: The same way we're saved.
1: Yeah, no building faith then to works. Right. Even though works will be there.
0: And how are we saved? <coughs> by faith. By faith.
1: And that means trusting in God.
0: And that just means trusting in God, exactly. And he said he puts in there verse four. I mean that's kind of like Zap, have you suffered so many things in vain? These people were trying to live for Christ. And they were suffering persecution, loss, rejection. And Paul is saying, have you suffered it in vain? You could be suffering all of this in vain. Be doing these things in the name of Jesus Christ, all in vain. Being rejected by your friends and family, all in vain. How? Well, if we do the opposite of what the intention is here and go from faith, okay, I was saved by grace through faith at salvation, but now I just have to work hard for sanctification. Salvation was a free gift of God's faith, grace. He's just showing me His favor because He wanted to, because He loves me, and He has chosen me. But now things are different. Now things are different. If your sanctification goes beyond the bounds of the same situation that you were in at salvation, where you were just putting your faith in God, when you were just receiving His grace as a free gift, having done nothing to earn it, being no, nobody special, even Paul himself says, few of the wise are chosen, God has chosen the foolish things. <laughs> if we were fools... Chosen by God, not for any merit of our own. And God has chosen to save us. And now we move over here. Now we all of a sudden try to be wise. Now we all, all of a sudden try to be strong and capable. Well then, all, everything we're doing is in vain. Because that was never God's point. For you to be strong and capable. Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you, in verse 5, and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? We've got to move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If somebody would like to read 1 Corinthians 15, 9-10. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10, if somebody could read that.
1: For I am not the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and this grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was it
0: which was with me. Now, if anybody's thinking, well, you have to work, right? You have to serve. You have to do the works of righteousness. Well, he addresses that here. He's saying, God's grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. No other reason why I am who I am except by the grace of God. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all the rest of the apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So he's not saying that he was the one working, even though he was saying he was the one working. But he's not attributing any of his works to himself, because why would Paul not claim any of his own works for himself?
1: Because he said he was able to do it because of God's
0: grace. He was, a- he was only able to do what he was doing because of God's grace. Because God has shown his favor and given him his strength and his power. And God is the one who had the will for Paul that Paul was following, just like Jesus came to do the will of the Father, Paul was doing the will of the Father. It's the Father's will. Father's equipping. The Father's choosing. The Father's enabling. Paul might have been working, but it was only according to the grace of God that was with him. It wasn't because he was devout enough. It wasn't because he had been to seminary or because he had the right upbringing. Or because he was just involved in the right kind of service. You know, all those other things people are getting involved in, that's worthless stuff. I'm doing the right kind of service. That's not, no none of that. It's just the grace of God that was working in him, transforming him, equipping him, empowering him, get, opening up the doors, closing the doors, making everything happen for him. Sanctifying him. Showing him the truths that he was seeing and teaching it was all from God. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Somebody can read verses 10 and 11. 1 Peter chapter 4. 10 and 11, 10 and 11 yes.
1: Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus
0: Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So is there anything in there that says, "Good job. You did a great you did great work." Anything that leaves room for God working through our abilities, God Choosing people because they were already pretty good at something, so he's just going to kind of capitalize on that and use them for his service. Any room for that in this passage? Because sometimes churches operate like that. You know, we have, you know, churches will hire the pastor who has the dynamic presence, the great um, organizational skills, the really articulate preaching. God doesn't pick people like that. Or we'll pick a deacon. Deacon's based off of, well, you're not really that good of a person, but you're really good at this kind of work. So we're going to make you a deacon and set you in charge of this type of a thing. That happens. (laughs) That does happen. I mean, that's, but that's measuring a man according to his flesh. But the Lord looks upon the heart. Here he's saying in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you've received a gift, is that something... They say, for anybody who trained himself in a certain area, somebody went out and achieved something. And he said, now to anyone who has received a gift, is given to you by God. Minister it to one another. If you've been given something by God, some sort of spiritual enabling, equipping, which we all have.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't say if. Right. It says each one has yeah. received. Yes,
0: yes. And as each, uh, thank you for correcting me. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm glad you did because that's a good point to actually bring up. As each one has received a gift, everybody has one. Sometimes the hard part is like, well, what is it? And we can talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that's something you want to bring it's up that you want thing. to learn about. As each one has received a gift from God. In if ministers. <laughs> in my translation. Well, that's okay. But that was probably a better one. But scripturally speaking, systematically, everybody does have a gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's called a gift, right? It's something that's given to you, not something that you went out and bought or achieved. He says, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Remember that parable where the, uh, the master gave talents to each servant, and those servants were to go and use those talents? Were those talents their own? No, they weren't their own. They were given to them by the master. And the, and the master ended up um, um, either, what's the word, rewarding them or punishing them based off of how they used the gift that was given to them. But it's a gift. It wasn't theirs. It was given to them by God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Only say what God is saying so that you're not saying your own things. So you're only saying God's things. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which with God which God supplies. Okay? You're not doing it because you're good at something. You're doing it because God has given it to you, and so you're going out and doing what God has told you to go do via what He has given you. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If these things are due to human abilities, just great skills, wonderful training and past achievements, maybe you're just really filthy rich and you can just give, 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 and give, If we're doing it in the strength that we provide, Jesus doesn't get the glory. People do. Or a church does. But we are supposed to operate in this world according to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that necessitates us understanding that everything that I'm doing, any fruitfulness that comes from this, any ability with which I'm doing any of this, it's all from God. It's not my own making. It's all from God. He is equipping me and helping me. Second Corinthians chapter nine six to eleven. Second Corinthians nine six to eleven. We'll end with this one. Somebody could read that.
1: The point is this: the person.
0: You to wait a minute. Go ahead. Well, you can go ahead.
1: The point is this: the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever.
0: And then two, through 11. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay.
1: Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us.
0: Now there, you have two. You have the two different dynamics at work here. You have Paul is th- basically thanking the, thanking some of the, the Macedonians, um, talking about their great gift, um, how they were generous. Um, And he's talking to them about how to distribute their help. Um, And then he goes on to say, kind of encourage them, don't hold back, don't be afraid to give. Because he who sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. I mean, that's a promise that we need to actually believe. I need to believe that. So let each one give as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so that's... It's no longer, if it's grudgingly or of necessity, it's not out of love, and therefore it's worthless. Oh, I have to give because everybody else is giving. And I'm, I'm going to feel really bad if I'm the only one not giving. Or, well, God has done so much for me. I guess I have to do something. That's worthless. God loves a cheerful giver. But then, so He's talking about the person giving and their heart, their heart issues. And then he goes on to talk about how this is, this is why we can be liberal with our generosity. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor. Because God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So there's that word grace again. The free gift, um, giving you something that you can't achieve on your own. Something that you don't deserve. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always, having all sufficiency in all things you may have an abundance for every good work. Even those of us who think completely incapacitated, well, we should feel incapacitated. I mean, if we, if we feel completely capacitated, <laughs> then we are full of ourselves, and we are proud and uplifted, and we will give praise to men and not to Jesus Christ. If we feel incapacitated, but we go out in the grace of God, then God receives the glory, and that's how it should be. So we need to feel destitute. We need to feel crippled, spiritually speaking. We should never pursue Christ so that we can feel strong, so that we can. F- God is. God was, did not send Jesus to be our therapist. He sent Jesus to be our everything, to be our provider. Let me look. Instead of me saying it, let me see what the scripture says. <clears throat> God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things. <laughs> I mean, is there anything left outside of that? Having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. If there's a good work that the Lord has laid upon your heart, then prayerfully go to God asking Him for the grace to actually administer it. Because God will give it to you. This is what, that's what the Scripture is saying. You may not have the capacity to fulfill this desire on your own, and that's the way it's supposed to be. If we are not prayerfully considering opportunities as a church or as individuals that are completely beyond us, that are just full of red flags, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are operating within the capacity of man. And I, re- I just recently read, if you are going to trust in the capacity of man, then you will get what the capacity of man can provide. But if you are willing to trust in the capacity of God, then you will get what the capacity of God will provide. Does that make sense? So we dream too little to say it, uh, a little more modernly, I guess. (laughs) Because he says here, if God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He shows us it's about God. He's the one who disperses. He's the one who gives to us poor. You know, we might be thinking about the poor, but first we need to consider that He's given to us, the poor. And now we need to ask Him for the grace to go and administer to other poor. His righteousness endures forever. Not yours, not our church's. God's righteousness, Christ's righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, okay? We're still stuck on Jesus, the provider. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. He's not talking about food anymore. He's talking about the spiritual gifts. He's talking about our, our work amongst ourselves and amongst our community, our sanctification, May he supply and multiply the seed that you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. And isn't that kind of, right there, he's kind of boiling it down to that. Like, that's the chief end. Like, not that we can be satisfied in a good work. Good job us. No, but that we might give thanks to God. If our, if our heart is not elated with thanksgiving to God because of something that is done, then it was done in the according to the will and the abilities of man. So maybe this is something that we need to write down in our prayer journals. Verse 10, God, supply and multiply the seeds that we have sown and increase the fruits of, the righteous, of our righteousness. Because we can only operate according to what you give. We can only go forward according to the grace with which you have enabled us to go forward with. Because you, to you belongs all the glory, all the honor. We must boast in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And resonate with Paul. I am who I am because of the grace of God. There's no other reason why I'm doing the things that I'm doing except that God called me, chose me, enabled me, and sent me out. It's the only reason any of this is happening. Because God has chosen for it to happen. So it's the grace of God that we look to for our sanctification, for our work here in this church and in our communities. We look to God. We don't look to our own selves. Because when we look to our own selves, we're really hoping for too little. Because we are destitute. Um, So meditate on that with me this week when you're listening to the self-help tapes, you are great. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. But the only self-help we need is, I am destitute. You are the great provider of all things. God, give me your grace. That's the help that we need. With whatever problem that we're going through, with whatever spiritual need we have, with whatever work we're trying to accomplish, all we need is the grace of God because He will abundantly supply everything we need to accomplish His will. And if he's, not, if he's not supplying us with the grace to accomplish this thing, it's either one, because we're not really seeking Him sincerity, or two, because He doesn't want it to happen. It's not His will. That can sometimes make the will of God easy. Or it can show us our deep destitution because I'm proud <laughs> And I'm doing things in my own power. Or, like I said, it could show us, maybe God doesn't want this to happen, or He can show us that this is what I want to happen, and I'm enabling you and empowering you in this, and I'm making doors open. But anyway, this, is a, this was a not a catechism. It could have been structured like a catechism. I didn't structure it like a catechism, but this was a lesson on... Why do we serve Christ and how do we serve Christ? It's not just, well, here's a list of things you can do. No, none of that stuff matters. You can do all that, you know, have at it. But if you're not seeking the grace of God because we are destitute without Him, just because we've been saved and we are sanctified and we work the same way all around. We're saved by grace through faith. We're sanctified by grace through faith. We work by God's grace through faith. That's what we need to know for life. It doesn't make all of our problems go away, but it gives us the foundation upon which we can go in the abundance of God's grace. Any questions or comments?
1: If we were all living in a refugee camp where your kids couldn't go to school and you didn't have a job to provide for your family and you had to depend on somebody to bring you some food by you probably wouldn't be thinking of material things as we right. talk about. that. You'd be, so so our big thing would be to share our spiritual gifts and show joy and peace and pray for the fruit of the Spirit yeah. and so on. That right. would be a, a big thing. and then It would be easier for us to focus on what you're saying if we didn't have so much,
0: really. Right. And, that, and that's true. It's a true statement. <laughs> we have a law and it distracts us. We don't, even those of us who don't have that much, we still have a lot, (laughs) compared to like the people that you're talking about. And this isn't, you know, we're not supposed to guilt ourselves into impoverishing ourselves, but we do need to use what God has supplied to administer his His love to the world. Otherwise, we are being selfish and proud. (laughs) Anything else?